Conversations with Catholic Voices. Tackling the tough questions with Daniel Noor and Catholic Voices Australia. Hello, Cradio listeners. My name is Daniel Noor, and when I entered the Catholic Church in 2013, I brought all of my confusion, anxiety, and uncertainty right in with me. As a young journalist searching for the truth, I'll be interviewing a spokesperson of Catholic Voices, a nationwide media representative of the Church, every week. I invite you to join me and to have your questions about today's hot topics answered as well. This is Conversations with Catholic Voices. Today our topic is faith and science, enemies or allies, and our guest is Paul Sheehan. Paul is a graduate of Monash University and he studied at the JP2 Institute in Melbourne. Paul, thank you for joining us. No problem, Daniel. Good to be with you. So, faith versus science. I suppose the idea that they are, you know, fighting it out um, is one that has been very comfortable to secular listeners in the Western world and uh, even to Christians. I think with the recent comments of Pope Francis, it's particularly pertinent. Let's get started with the historical relationship of these, you know, two entities. Is it merely coincidental that in this era, where scientific discovery has been left to thrive with less interference by the church, and when we look at the past, we can see that Galileo and, you know, other famous scientists have been shut down or prevented from doing their work by the church. Is it merely coincidence that in this era where science has been left to thrive, so many have lost their faith. Hasn't the church always been threatened by science? I think I would agree with you that it's it's not a coincidence that many people have lost their faith, um, essentially because science has, been, has become so dominant in terms of how it rules our lives, whereas in the past faith was the basis for how we lived. But I think this has come about from a misunderstanding of what science is. When we talk about science today, I think what a lot of people are saying is scienceism, I think the term is, where they put all their faith and trust in science. In fact, they, they would go as far as to say that science is the only way that we can re- come to the truth about a situation. Hmm. So I think there's that itself has, scientism has been a threat to the church. But historically, you know, the church, at least in theory, perhaps not always in practice, but in theory, the church has never had a problem with science. Yes, yes, certainly uh, in theory, I think, because when we when we look at um, some of the more notorious, was it Copernicus and also Galileo, both men who made some claims that science has vindicated and that the church so uh, rigorously persecuted. Yes. Um, also, I, th- I think maybe for clarity, when you say scientism, could you give some examples there of the kind of thing you mean? Yeah, I'm not sure if I've used the right term, but as far as I understand it, scientism is where you are actually, it's experimental science where only evidence that you receive through your senses leads you to come to a conclusion about truth. Instead of reasoning in mm-hmm. your in your thoughts, reasoning mm-hmm. your way to truth, so maybe, which is, you know, of course, what a lot of the classic philosophers did. Yes, uh, emphasizing um, some kind of reason process. But wouldn't science claim to be exactly that, an objective, pure lens through which we can examine the world? Right, that's what it should be. It should it should be entirely reasonable. And this is something that Pope Benedict actually made a point of when he was he was pope 
because he realized that the traditional view of science when it's done reasonably is not in contradiction with faith. And he made it a point of his papacy to try and restore that proper understanding of science. Mm. And he actually pointed out that the Christ- Christianity as a religion was actually quite revolutionary because it, it broke away from many of the other religions that focus purely on customs and traditions, and whereas Christianity was actually a pursuit of truth, essentially. Mm. And that truth can come from a variety of sources. Yes, and and some kind of uh, reciprocal process where there's um, reciprocity for want of uh, a less pretentious word. But this idea that that there is an existence within the natural world and in the natural order of things. I am reminded of when the Apostle Paul went to the, I think it was the Greeks, and he pointed to this large statue of an unknown god who they erected in um, honor of this deity, and they said, this unknown god is, you know, uh, Jesus of Nazareth or something to that effect. So trying to reconcile that. I'd also have thought that the scientific tradition, that um, purity that I spoke of earlier, was borrowed from the Greeks themselves, was it not? And that is not actually the contribution of Christianity. Yeah, that's that's correct. I mean, the, the the philosophers like Plato and Aristotle reasoned their way to the concept of God before the time of Christ, before any sort of revelation. So that was a purely a scientific reasoning way to the concept of God. Right. And they, I, I may be incorrect, but I believe they came up with the term theology, which was the pursuit of of truth through reason, whereas our our current Christian understanding of theology is obviously reason and revelation go hand in hand. Yes. And, yeah, yes. and so ultimately support each other. Support. But the problem, I mean, in our modern culture today, the, the essential problem is that our culture, you know, puts faith against reason as if they're mutually exclusive. And if you're someone, if you're a person of faith, then it's not possible to be reasonable and vice versa. Well, well, doesn't modern culture have good reason to do that? When we think about the medieval period and the so-called dark ages, we see that the church was strong and that the scientific community was weak. Is that just a coincidence? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, um, you know, the, certainly the, there was times where there was too much emphasis on faith. And I think it was either the First or the Second Vatican Council, I'm not sure which, but one of them condemned both reason alone as well as faith alone. Um, We see in many of the Protestant traditions that they put a lot of their trust and their beliefs purely in faith, and they quite often ignore scientific arguments for evolution and the Big Bang, Uh, whereas Mm. the Catholic Church sits very much in the middle and realises that each is able to contribute to truth in some way. And ultimately, if they're both conducted correctly, they're only going to support each other. Well, yes, there is creationism and the great um, scandal, exactly. scandal that that's created for thinkers in the in the modern world. Right, Paul, let's move on to this, um, I suppose. I suppose I am still, um, I would still want more clarity about just what the contribution of Christianity has been to the scientific tradition. Uh, I am not convinced, as some speakers are, that Christianity is responsible for science. I don't know if you'd say it's responsible. I mean, there's been a lot of um, Christian people, there's been a lot of Catholic priests who have been scientists, um, and they've they've contributed to many scientific discoveries. 
but yeah, um, but once again, it depends what you mean by by science. If we talk about science in terms of reasoning and the scientific method, I mean that's I guess we're talking about philosophy there, really, and that that exists outside of any any religion. Yes, and also, but it's also and fundamental also to any religion. Up. And that's right. Yes, it's fundamental to to many religions. You mentioned the Catholic scientists. Uh, and I here have found an a, a article on the website of catholiceducation.org, um, and and there it speaks of, you know, the various um, scientists who have contributed to the, um, or I suppose the Catholics rather, who have contributed to the scientific tradition. Uh, and there is one um, French fellow whose name escapes me, but here's a, a list. There's De Vico, a priest, discovered six comets. Fabricius discovered the, val the valvular system of the veins. Leverrier discovered the planet Neptune. Pasteur, called the father of bacteriology and the inventor of biotherapeutics, was the leading scientist of the 19th century. So in the ranks of, of great scientists, there I can see here that there, there are many Christians and also many Catholics. Uh, but, but still, I, I would just... I mean, science, wherever the church was strong, in my head, I still feel that the church prevented science, crushed the possibility of it because of sanctimonious piety and a, a fear of going overboard and becoming like God, prevented people from dissecting bodies and, and that kind of thing. I have no hard evidence for this claim, but I suppose just living in the world, you know, this is the kind of sentiment I have. Can you speak to that at all? Well, historically, you're right. I mean, there have been times where the church has gone too far and has ignored good scientific reasoning that has led to certain conclusions. But that's why we see people like Pope Benedict today saying that we need to get back to to having a, a harmonious relationship between the two mm. because one will help the other. And we've we've seen that the church has been wrong in the past in terms of when it's condemned people like Galileo. Yes, because it's, it's been afraid that somehow scientific reasoning and scientific theories will somehow threaten what they believe, will threaten the faith and people's belief in the church. But, a, but that's a false understanding of faith and reason. And, you know, Pope Benedict and Pope Francis just recently, as you said, is, is insisting that there is no problem between the two and they actually support each other. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, then having touched on that, doesn't our contentment with not knowing, and so we're speaking about faith and, and reason, listeners, uh, in our conversation about faith and science, enemies or allies, doesn't our contentment with not knowing, namely our faith, without which scripture says it is impossible to please God, sedate our curiosity and our need, our thirst for scientific discovery? I think it can if we go too far and only rely on faith, and that's what I was talking about before where some of the Protestant traditions and their belief in creationism, they go too far in terms of only believing their faith and not being open to any other sources of truth, yes. such as scientific theories and evidence. So, yes, yeah, there is definitely that possibility, I think. But if we look at what Pope Francis said recently, he actually said that the pursuit of the big scientific questions actually is a natural curiosity that all people have. And it's through pursuing those bigger questions and trying to answer them that we actually, uh, you know, open ourselves to the bigger questions about existence. So it's that thirst for knowledge that ultimately will lead to God. 
And if you look at someone like Richard Dawkins yes. and the way he goes about looking at God, you know, he he actually ignores the fact that some of the philosophers like Plato and Aristotle reasoned the, their way to God. There was no revelation at their time. Yes. And his, you know, his, uh, his approach to God is, is one where he includes God in the natural order of the world and he tries to find a scientific explanation for God, whereas he's made a, a philosophical error because he's placed God within the world instead of, uh, you know, correctly understanding that the world comes from God. If I can so play the Dawkins advocate for a moment here. Sure. Um, and, yes, I am very funny. Thank you for being punny. I appreciate that, Daniel. No problem, listener. I would say that Richard Dawkins' point of view is about um, arriving at things by a process of deductive reasoning to claim yes. that we originated with God, he would say, is to claim a non-entity. I mean, what we know for sure is that, you know, there was a big bang uh, and there was a process of evolution and then and then humans came about. That might not tell us everything, but it proposes an even greater problem to then say that this began with God because that uses as an answer an even more mysterious possibility that has no basis whatsoever. You know what I mean? It's only a problem if you if your concept of God is some being within the natural order. But as we know, God is outside the, the natural order. And yes. So God is really, and this is where, you know, Dawkins and other people talk about a God of the gaps type of argument. Yes, yes, a God of the gaps. A but magic, once again, he's, a magic he's, he's of God. the magic God, but that's not the concept of God that a Christian understands. God is outside the world. He's outside time. There will never be a scientific experiment that will be able to prove God to him. Yes. And so he's trapped in this endless cycle of, of trying to, um, you know, explain how the world came from nothing, which he can't do really from a scientific point of view. Sure. Well, I, I suppose it is easy for a Christian to claim that you can't get to, the, to God with science in the same way that a scientist would claim that you can't get to answers with religion. But I, I suppose that this leads us really this question of, the thirst for scientific discovery, the need for scientific discovery into this debate about evolution and creationism, which is a very modern manifestation of this, this battle between faith and science, mm. this presumable battle. American creationism, for example, Sarah Palin's belief that the world is only 6,000 years old, is a point of great mockery for modern science. Isn't Christianity generally averse to evolution, generally speaking? And, of course, we have... Uh, Pope Francis very loudly clearing that one up on the Catholic uh, side, saying, no, it's not a problem. Catholics have always, or if not always, can at least be comfortable with the idea of evolution. But that seems like cold comfort to me, if anything. It seems like a kind of qualification, rather than any real endorsement of the very best and most likely scientific solution to the problem of life that we have today. And I think most scientists would be in agreement about the fact that that is evolution. So isn't Christianity, generally speaking, averse to evolution? I think there are some parts of Christianity that are. So when we talk about the creationists, they're obviously averse to evolution. Mm. But the church itself, I guess the church has never had to deal with it until modern times. But we can go back to Pope Pius XII, who said that he didn't believe there was any contradiction between evolution and Catholic, doc Catholic doctrine. 
St. Uh, John Paul II in 1996 actually went a step further and said that evolution is most likely more than a, a hypothesis. Mm. Um, and also Pope Francis's comments just recently about the Big Bang and how that doesn't contradict church doctrine. But I guess at the end of the day, the theory of evolution is a theory. So using a word like endorsement, I don't think you're ever going to have that from the church because it is a theory. And it, uh, when you apply science correctly, all, all scientific theories are theories and they're never proven. You can collect evidence to support a theory, but ultimately that evidence will never be enough to prove that theory. Obviously, you'll get to a point where there is sufficient evidence and we can say that we're, we're close to being certain that a theory is true. And I think that's where we're getting with evolution. Uh, we're cer certainly starting to see that there is overwhelming evidence for it, mm. which is why, and, you know, the church doesn't rush into anything in terms of making proclaimments that, that about seems things. A, it seems a great understatement, Paul, to say that the church doesn't rush into anything when evolution is not... I suppose when one looks at the the great maybe breadth of historical philosophy and scientific development, evolution is new, relatively speaking. Mm. But then, what what else will the church require in order to at least I don't know, I, I, to, yes, to endorse to endorse this scientific theory? I wonder. I, well, I don't think the church would endorse it itself. It it, it understands that. Its domain is theology, and it recognises that science is the domain of scientists, and it's really up to scientists to endorse the theory of evolution. So, at the, but if you look at it at the moment, there mm. are yes, there are many who do. It's not their Most jurisdiction. People, it's not their, it's not their jurisdiction. jurisdiction. And you know, they've they're actually being quite humble by saying, you know, we're not going to take a stand either way. Right. Now, there are people within the church who would do that. Um, I yes. know Cardinal Schoenborn um, has strong opinions on this kind of thing. But, you know, I don't think we'll ever see the Pope coming out and saying evolution is not correct or it is, it is true. It, 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 he recognises that that's the, the domain of science and scientists really need to reach that conclusion. Sure. I, and, Paul, I, I, I suppose the reason I'm asking is because I feel that science shapes our understanding of reality. And mm. whenever a new f strand of social doctrine or theological development comes about, I think it's usually enacted or maybe the catalyst for that is, is science or what our understanding of, of the world is. Um, and I, somehow the two are connected. So I would, I, I would just say that, I don't know, I feel that maybe the church is not at the cutting edge of human development. Maybe it's science that is giving us the... The, the most timely and needful answers about where we are and where we're going. Yeah, I think you've got to be careful when you say something like that because there's different kinds of, there's different kinds of truth that science can give us answers to. Mm. But you've got to separate, separate them out. And if we look at an example like, say, um, Robert Oppenheimer who developed the atomic bomb, he recognised that you know, what he was doing in creating this weapon, he used his science and his knowledge to create that. Yes. But his science was useless in terms of the ethics of, of actually using that weapon. Yes. So he, you know, a true scientist like him will understand that his science will take him so far, it will explain certain things, 
but ultimately it's philosophy and theology that will answer the questions of why do we exist? Is it ethical to use an atomic bomb, regardless of where the science leads us? Yes, is it ethical? Yeah, that's and, right. Yes, and then maybe this is a, a I don't know, a, a more fraught, a very important consideration that, that even great scientific discoveries, and I suppose that's great in quotation marks, you know, like the development of the atomic bomb, um, yes. totally neglected. I um, I would quote here a, a John Paul II, John Paul II quote, um, which he addressed in a letter to the director of the Vatican Astronomical Observatory, noting, science can purify religion from error and superstition. Religion can purify science from idolatry and false absolutes. Each can draw the other into a wider world, a world in which both are possible. Uh, and um, I, I, I would put that out there, um, although needless to say, I, I still feel like uh, the, the, the possibility that they exist in the, in the same world, both exist in the same world, is one that I'm not completely sure of. Paul, just um, could I get a quick word from you um, as we close um, on this idea of uh, teaching creationism in public schools? So Lauren Krauss, uh, Lawrence rather, Lawrence Krauss, uh, who is an American theoretical physicist and a cosmologist, uh, and a, a very you know, respected scientist in that field, says that to, cheat, to teach children creationism in public schools or in any school is a form of child abuse. And he said this on Q&A recently. Um, what would you say to that? I think it comes down to how it's taught. I mean, certainly if you, if you teach children that there are certain belief systems out there, such as creationism, I think that's okay. If it's taught literally as a truth then I think it's brainwashing. But you could flip his argument the other way and say that as a scientist he has theories about the universe and how that was created and why isn't that brainwashing? Yes. It's only a theory. So it goes both ways. It, it really comes down to the, the method and the way something is taught. If you teach creationism as fact, then you've gone too far, I think. Yes. Well, Paul, that's it for today's discussion of faith and science, enemies or allies. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure that um, the readers, or rather our listeners, will uh, be engaging with this kind of thing. So the conversation continues on Facebook at facebook.com slash conversations CV, facebook.com forward slash conversations CV. Join us there and have your say and keep the conversation going. Thank you for joining us, Paul. Thank you, Daniel. Talk uh, to you next time. And yes, I look forward to talking to you next time and also to having you join us again, listeners. Dot org dot au.